Praise God and welcome to another Genesis 1 pod, uh, Christian Ministries podcast. Uh, before we get into the message today, we're going to spend a little bit of time uh, just praising God um, and worshiping Him. So wherever you are as you listen to this, just join us as we sing um, the song, I Sing Praises to Your Name by Kent Henry. Uh, join us in, in raising hands and praising God so that we can invite God's presence to be with us as we hear His Word today. And I sing praises to your name. sliding into second and the umpire is our heavenly father and he goes they're safe praise god Oh, my God. 
Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. We sing hallelujah praises to your name, most magnificent God. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and all that's in between. We just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be able to get together to listen to your words, even though it is virtually, Lord, because we know that your word is not bound by space. It's not bound by walls, Lord, and that it could reach anyone that is willing to listen. I ask, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would anoint our spirits to be able to receive your words and that they may be deeply planted within our spirits so that we can remember them and use them to be able to defeat the enemy when he raises his ugly head and trying to attack us. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to serve you in this capacity, for it's a privilege and honor to be called to do this work. And I ask, Lord, that your words would come forward today, Lord, so that you may be glorified and lifted up and that not myself or any other man be glorified and lifted up, Lord, because... Only you are worthy of our praise and only you are worthy to be exalted above all because you are above all. You're the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we just praise you and we thank you for everything that you have done for us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God. You know, this is this is the day that the Lord has made and we shall be rejoiced and be glad in it. Amen. Regardless of how crazy things might be around us. Uh, whether you're, you know, close to the craziness, you're in the midst of it uh, because you've got some things going on in your life or you just turn on the news and you just see how how, how crazy and nuts um, things are. We still will rejoice because God has woken us up today um, and he's got a plan for our lives and he's got a plan for this nation. And we just sit back and we just watch him work and we we wait in anticipation and understanding and knowing that uh, that God is indeed uh, in charge. So today, um, before we get started, if you don't have your Bible, uh, hit pause for uh, a moment and go grab your Bible. And so you can follow along with us today uh, to look at some some very familiar scriptures, scriptures that we've been to before and scriptures that we uh, that we're familiar with and that we've read. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper into those scriptures and look at some really, really, really powerful truths that sometimes uh, that, that that will benefit us. And, and part of studying the word of God and understanding that it is a living word means that we can go to the same scriptures multiple times and it'll have a new meaning for us. Um, and that, that new meaning, that new revelation occurs when we invite Holy Spirit to give us uh, his revelation on what we're reading so that we're not reading it. Uh, with our minds and that we're not reading it through with our intellect, but that we're actually reading and studying it through through the uh, through the mind of, of Holy Spirit, if you will. So starting off, let's turn to James chapter two. James tap, chapter two, verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he had faith, he has faith, but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which they which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, it does not have works. uh, Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I, underlined, and I will show you my faith 
by my works. We've seen we and we've read this scripture, you know, many different times in our in our lives as we're studying the Bible. You may have even heard it in in messages and, and in church churches uh, that, that you may have attended or, or you may have heard this for the for the very first time there. And a lot of what we focus on uh, and what this scripture is really talking about there is that you have to balance faith with action. So you can have all the faith in the world that something is going to happen, but without taking the necessary action along with that, it's not going to come to pass. Okay, so this is that this is this is the, the purpose of scripture saying there show I will show you my faith by my works, meaning that not only do I believe this is something is going to happen, but my actions are going to are going to be in alignment with that belief. Oftentimes, unfortunately, though, we look at this and we think of this as the, the works portion of it, that works is what's going to get me into heaven. And there, there are some Christians that believe that, that, that works are going to get you, get you into heaven. There's some non-Christians, some non-believers out there that believe, uh, uh, that, that works will get them into heaven. And it's not about, you know, how many, um, church committees you sit on. It's not about, you know, how many times you can read your Bible, um, in, in the, in a year, you know, and, and, and there are folks that have done that. I have done that myself on more than one occasion. Um, and everything like that. What I will say about that is that I didn't learn as I, I didn't get as much out of that, of doing that um, at the time, because I wasn't really I, I, I wasn't studying the word of God. I wasn't focused on the quality time to spend with God. I was focused more on getting through the Bible um, in a year. And once I actually shifted my thinking and started learning how to study the Bible, then I realized that, you know what, the time I need to spend is breaking down the scriptures that I'm reading and asking Holy Spirit for revelation. Okay? This is, as part of the prayer, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, heard me pray or you've heard Pastor pray if you listen to these podcasts. Is one of the things that we always pray is that, is that, the, that, that, that God would open our eyes. Um, that we would have Holy Spirit revelation into what we're reading, that it would get deeply planted within our spirits so that we can have that understanding and that we can have that 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 knowledge. And so that's what we're really going to look at today is 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 kind of the the, the the actions that we need to take to ensure that God's will happens in our lives, because it's not just enough to have faith. It's about also having action. And so reading this scripture, this works here is not about the works and the things that you think you need to do to get into heaven. Um, some Christians also believe that being baptized uh, is, 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 is needed in order to get to heaven. Well, that's not the case. The Bible says that to become saved, you have to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And you have to believe in your heart that he's the son of God and died for your sins. And he and, and that he and that he rose again. That's the requirement for, for for being saved. Being baptized simply is just an outward um, acknowledgement uh, of of having the old your old self um, dying, dying off and being raised a new man, being raised a new creature uh, as you become saved. And you start to learn. You start to learn about God. So today we're going to talk about what are the actions? What actions do you need to take to ensure God's will is happening in, in your lives. So we're going to look at a scripture that was referenced in last week's sermon. Turn into Daniel to Daniel chapter 10. 
Because this is a scripture that, for me, brings peace. Okay, And when you think about scriptures that, that, that bring peace, um, the first ones that usually come to mind is, is, is um, the, having a peace that passes all understanding. Okay, um, and, and this is not one that usually comes to that, but there is some significant meaning and some significant spiritual truths in this in these scriptures that we're going to look at uh, that bring about peace. When we think about uh, why, why we're waiting for, for for God's will to take place in our lives. Okay, so Daniel chapter 10, uh, and we're going to start in verse 10. The previous scriptures before this uh, was Daniel. Um, uh, uh, being visited by, by the angel Gabriel, and Gabriel was giving him um, a re- revelation of a vision of, that he had of what was going to take place in Jerusalem and some destruction that was going to, that, that, that was going to happen. Um, and because of, uh, of that revelation to Daniel, it, it troubled him. And so he was talking about how for, for, for a few weeks there, he didn't eat any kind of pleasant food. He didn't have any pleasant drink. And he was really, really, really in, in distress. And there were some other men that were with him when this next angel um, has, had come to talk to him. And the men fled because they, 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 they were scared. And so they fled. So this vision that, that, that Daniel's about to get now that we're going to start to read, um, this, this, this encounter with this angel, um, he was saying he's the only one that, that actually experienced it because the other people that he was with uh, fled out of fear. So p- picking up here in verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright. For I have now been sent to you while he was uh, while he was speaking this word to me. I stood trembling. Then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have uh, and I have uh, come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to you to make uh, now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. So what's happening here? Is, is this angel is, is giving him some additional is, is letting him know that God God heard him when he when he was seeking to understand what this vision what this vision meant that he that he had just received um, and, and the angel is letting him know basically this is why how this is why it took so long for you to get this uh, for, for me to come to you and we're going to go back and we're going to we're going to look at some 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 powerful things there in, in a little bit but let's continue on reading for now uh, verse 15. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, uh, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Underline that. Fear not. Peace be to you. 
Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, let my Lord speak for you have strengthened me. Then he said, do you know why I have come to you? Basically, he's saying, you know, not he said, now do you realize this is why I came to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed, the prince of Greece will come. But I, I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me, uh, upholds me against these except Michael, your prince. OK, so backing up here to verse 10, because th 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 there's a lot there, but or backing up here to verse 12. OK, something really, really, really important that we have to understand. OK, we are uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, one of the I, I was looking at I, I was preaching on uh, one of the aspects of the Lord's Prayer that and, and that says um, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. OK, that kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven and how that part of that prayer is about surrendering to to God's will. So when we're making when we're praying to God and we're asking him for something to make sure that we are humbling ourselves and that we are, are, are praying um, to God and letting him know that we want your will to happen. And I'm surrendering myself to you. So so that way, if with that way, when we go to, to, to pray. That we're not we're not putting ourselves in a place to be resistant to whatever God has to tell us, because the answer that he might give us or the direction that he might give us might not be what we're expecting and or it might not be a direction that we want to go. OK, and so humbling ourselves and you can see that there in verse 12 um, where it says, then then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. So underline that humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Um, and, and, and so when we're when, when we're praying and we're asking, all right, God, what is your will for my life? OK, what 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 do you want me to do? Or, Lord, I have this situation and I just don't know what direction to take. What should I do? We have to be in a place of, of being ready to receive what he's going to tell us and to be able to accept what he is going to tell us so that we know exactly what action to take. And then we have to, of course, be obedient, uh, obedient to that. But there's this time when we're waiting. OK, maybe you sent up a prayer two years ago that still hasn't been answered. And you're still waiting for that answer and you're not sure, oh, Lord, I mean, have you heard me? Well, look what this says here. Let's go to verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So what that means then is that God heard us the first time. OK, as we saw, we saw in verse 12, humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard and I have come because of your word. So God heard us the first time when we send up that prayer. He heard us. He heard, he heard us cry out to him. He heard our request. He heard us call out to him. He heard us ask, ask our questions. But when we do that, what we have to wrap our minds around is that when God hears that, he then sends his angels out to, 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 to battle with whatever demons are, 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 are causing, um, roadblocks in, in, in that, that could potentially be causing roadblocks in his plan coming to fruition. Now, what do I mean by that? I don't mean that, you know, uh, that, that, that somehow demons have power over God and they can stop what's, what's going on. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, well, what I am saying though is that there, there's a, a constant battle in the spirit world between 
God's angels and Satan's demons. Okay. And, and there's, there's a strong man that this angel was fighting over here. The Prince of Persia is a, is a demonic strong man that is powerful and was more powerful than this particular angel, which is why Michael, the archangel came to actually help him, which allowed him to defeat that prince so that he can then come and deliver that message uh, to Daniel. So the reason why this should bring us some peace is to understand that God is not ignoring us. Okay, God is not ignoring us, but there's this spiritual battle that's taking place around us that will cause that that can cause delays into our praise being answered here in this physical world. But as you can see, the angel also got some help from another angel that's more powerful to be able to defeat this prince of Persia. Now, something else we, we also want to keep in mind is as we, we think about how powerful God is. OK. And, 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 and oftentimes we forget that, you know, we could we could we, we could look back at Genesis and see how powerful he was in creating everything. Um, and, and sometimes it may be hard to wrap our heads around that. But 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 th but understand something here with this scripture, too. OK, take it a little bit deeper. The devil cannot battle God. The devil is not strong enough to even make God break a sweat. OK. The devil is not. And we know that because if we look at scripture in Revelation that talks about how there was a great war in heaven. And when you notice in that in that scripture, it's not about God battling the devil because Lucifer at the time wanted to rise above God. It was Michael, the archangel battling the devil. OK. So, 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 so understand something there is that God is dispatching, dispatching an angel to defeat, to defeat Lucifer and kick him out of heaven. And when you read in scripture uh, about what happens to the devil when he get locked, gets locked up for the final time, it doesn't say God puts the chain on him and, and locks him up in heaven. It's Michael, the angel that actually does that. And the reason why that's important for us to understand and really wrap our heads around is because when you think about all of the the, 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 the turmoil that the devil causes and all of the intimidation and fear tactics that tactics that he tries to use. He is not as powerful as we like to think he is. Now, I'm not saying that you go out there and you try to pick a fight with the devil and try to get into a physical fist fight with him because you are no match for a spirit being. I'm not saying that at all. But understand that when we're going to God and we're using the name of Jesus and asking God to step in for us. And to tell us what we need to do. And when God gives us that, that direction and says, go, go here, do this, do that. Understand that the devil cannot stop us from doing that. If we're walking in alignment with what God's will is for our lives, if we're walking according to his purpose, because he is not that powerful. Okay. This is why when I read this scripture, I get peace. Because I understand that while I'm waiting for this thing to happen, while I'm waiting for God to give me the next step and tell me what I need to do next, that he has answered it. But I haven't gotten the answer yet because there was a battle that's taking place around me that I don't see. And it could very well be an angel that's in battle with a strong man that is waiting for some assistance. OK. And so that's why that, that's why I, I, I feel peace every time I read this, this scripture. It's 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 encouraging. And, and, it, and I know that God heard me the first time and some things just take a little bit, a little bit longer to get to me. And if we jump down to verse 19 and he said, oh, man, greatly beloved, fear not. 
peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So that so that's a direction for us, too, is that when we're asking for God, God, what, what do you want me to do? What am I what are my next steps? Have some peace in that time and still be strong, because maybe maybe there's still some next steps that 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 that, that hasn't been revealed to you yet. But while you wait, continue to be strong in the direction that you're actually going. Be at peace in the, in the, whether the, in the direction that you're actually going until that answer comes to you. Okay. Also understand that even if we're doing, quote unquote, everything right, right, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to get a response right away, as we can see. All right. So so sometimes when, we, when we're thinking, all right, what's, what's the next steps? And God hasn't answered me yet. Sometimes we go back and we do the kind of that self check and we think that we're doing something wrong. It doesn't mean that we're doing anything wrong, okay? Again, the scripture shows that there is spiritual warfare taking place and it takes a while for at times for answers to get to us, okay? Depending on what type of battle is taking place. So now that we've kind of established that God hears us the first time, okay? So we're at, we may be asking God for some direction, Lord, what does this mean? What actions do I need to take? And while we're sitting there waiting, understand that there's the spiritual spiritual battle taking uh, taking place let's look at some other familiar situations in which action was needed okay and where god responded with with, with what the action should be let's turn to exodus chapter 3 exodus chapter 3 and let's go to verse 7 Exodus chapter three, verse seven. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. OK, so now this is um, this. This is before this uh, Moses. Uh, God appeared to Moses in, in a burning bush and God told him to 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 take his uh, take his sandals off his feet because where he was standing um, is holy. So this is this is Moses. This is God talking, uh, talking to Moses. And what we see here in this in, in verse seven, there, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry. Just like we read in Daniel. OK, when the when the angel told Daniel from the first time that you sent up your prayer, God heard you here. We, we, we see again. God is saying. I have heard I have heard them cry. I, I have heard them. And now he's telling Moses, I've heard them and I know what they're going through. OK, verse eight. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to uh, to a good and large land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the uh, Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go? I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of uh, out of Egypt. Okay. Now, I'm going to pause there for a second because Moses did not ask God to be the one to go bring, to go free uh, Israel. Okay? He, didn't, he didn't ask him to do that. All right? But Moses was, uh, 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 was a, a, a follower of God. Okay? And so 
us in our lives, the way that relates to us is that we follow God, okay, and we go on about our day and our our daily routines and, and our normal business, and we don't oftentimes, or there are times where we aren't asking God for anything in particular. Like, we may not be asking God to be the CEO of the next Fortune 500 company or to be the next governor of a particular state or to be the next manager of a particular uh, uh, particular team. OK, we may not be asking God that, but God may say to us, there's a problem that's happening. And I see this problem taking place and I want this problem to be addressed. And I'm calling you to go out and address that problem. Okay, and this is what we see with Moses. God is telling Moses, I see what's going on with Israel and I hear them calling out to me and I'm sending you to go free them. I'm sending you to go talk to Pharaoh. And then what we see here in verse 11 and underline all of verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Underline that. And if you have that and in your margin after you underline it or highlight it, write the word doubt. Because now Moses is sitting here starting to doubt. Because if you think about that, Israel is being uh, held as slaves to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh is a powerful, uh, anyone in the position of a Pharaoh is in a, in, a, in a high position of authority. And Moses is saying, well, who am I to go to this person in high authority and tell them to let Israel go? Like, what, what are my qualifications? Okay. So you see, Moses has some doubt. He's being called by God now. All right. Mind you, he, he's talking to God. God appeared to him in this burning bush. OK. And then so for us, when we think about that, if Moses is hesitant, we also become hesitant because we don't see God in a burning bush. We may hear him talking to us. We may hear a prophecy in, in, in church uh, um, to, to, towards us. or we may have this knowing in our spirit that God is calling us for something. And then when he lays out, this is what I'm calling you to do. We tend to then say, whoa, wait a minute, Lord, why, why, why me? Who am I? OK, verse 12, we see a little bit of re we see some reassurance from God here. So he said, this is God responding to Moses. So he said, I will certainly be with you. Underline that and next to that, right? Reassurance. OK, so we read in Daniel where the angel told Daniel to fear not peace be with you and to be strong. Yes, be strong. OK, because because the angel now is revealing uh, something to Daniel that 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 Daniel was asking for. OK, and he's telling him, be strong, be at peace. And here we see God bringing some peace and telling Moses, I will certainly be with you. He's bringing some reassurance. So he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So God told him that. Now, notice, notice what God also said that he said, when you bring the people out of Egypt, he didn't say if he said when you have brought the people out of Egypt. So God is already telling him, not only am I calling you to free, free my people from Pharaoh, I'm already telling you that you are going to bring them out. So I called you to do something. And I'm telling you, you're going to be successful at it. When God calls us. Do we understand that we are going to be successful at it or do we make an excuse? Verse 13, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, 
The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? So here we see Moses now with some doubt about his about being called doubt about some action that's being taken. God has reassured him. And now he's saying, but wait, I still have a question. Okay, I still have a question. What do I tell these people when they ask me who you are? And God said to Moses, verse 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, thus, you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. So we see here, all right, again, actions that, that, that we need to take. So I'm praying for God's will to happen in my life, and I want to know what actions do I need to take. Well, when God calls us to, to, to take action, let's not stop and say, well, Lord, who am I? And when we have that doubt, Okay, about well, who I am, we can remind ourselves that we are children of God. And as children of God, when God calls us to do something and we listen and we're obedient to him, we will be successful. We will accomplish what God is wanting us to accomplish. And we saw that here when God told him, not only did he say that he will he will be with you. Not only did God say to, to, to Moses that he will be with him, but he also then said to him that when you bring him out, you're going to serve me on this mountain. So a question for us to, to think about and, and, and to ponder when we're when we're trying to figure out what actions need to be taken. OK. You can ask yourself this question. What has God revealed to you about his plan for your life? Okay? And look back, you know, reflect back and look and you can you can see because I certainly do this at times and I have to do this at times because God will call me to do something. I'm like, Lord, I, I don't know about that one, <laughs> you know, and he'll quickly remind me. But remember last time when you had this, this, this and this going on, and he starts to bring remembrance to me and he starts to give me some glimpses of things that he has done for me, which reminds me that, OK, I was successful then. So could there be something that God has revealed to you about his plan? OK, in these scriptures here. All right. God revealed part of his plan to Moses. He told him that he was going to deliver them out of the out of the hands of the Egyptians to bring them to a land flowing with milk and honey. OK, another question we could ask ourselves. All right. Is what has God shown me in the past about how uh, that, that, that gives me a glimpse into how that that he was there. OK, what has God shown me about my past that has shown me that he was there? Because God might be calling you to do something and you and, 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 and he's called you to do it. And you might be saying, ah, I'm not qualified for that. But think back to the last time when God called you to do something. And you felt like you weren't qualified and you were successful. OK, and none of us, none of us as Christians are not susceptible to this. We all at some point get to a place where God calls us and we forget that God has brought us out of situations before. We forget that God has allowed us to be successful before. We forget that God has equipped us to do what he's asking us to do and we start to be hesitant, okay? We start to hesitate. 
Let's jump further ahead here, staying in Exodus, and we're going to jump to chapter four, starting to verse one. Okay, we're going to look at what what happens next here. So God has called Moses to go free the people of, of, of Israel from the Egyptians. Moses is not sure that he's qualified for it. And so he's, you know, he, he said, hey, you know, who am I? And God said, I'm going to be with you. And when you're successful, you're going to worship me on this mountain. And then what does Moses do? Okay, he says, well, what do, what do I say to these people? You know, if they ask me this question and God told him, you say that I am sent me, I am sent you. Okay, uh, chapter four, still in Exodus, verse one. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. Underline all of verse one and in your margin, write doubt, because here we go again. We see Moses doubting. So the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and and take uh, take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it. And it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. And when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. And behold, it was restored uh, like his like his other flesh. OK, uh, I'm going to pause there for a second. So what we see here is, again, Moses coming up with another excuse. And God then showed him this miraculous sign. When God calls us and tells us what our next step is, sometimes it may not be anything that makes any kind of sense whatsoever. But the result of us taking that action is a way that God can remind us exactly who he is now there was nothing this rod that moses had was not somehow uh, a a snake that was hardened and stiffened to to look like a rod and then when he dropped it that somehow it woke up the snake and the snake started moving around and when you grab it by the tail then it just stiffens up no that's not what it was at all it was a rod Okay. There was nothing special about uh, uh, Abraham uh, excuse me uh, moses bosom there that would somehow cause sickness and then cause his hand to be healed no that didn't make any kind of sense right but the reason why those things had to happen was because god had to show him i'm going to show you exactly who i am i'm going to show you the power that i am the power that i have and so i'm going to show you this thing that you're holding in your hand watch me turn into a snake and watch it turn back to a rod when you touch it Look at your hand. I'm going to put these. I'm going to, I'm going to make it look like the hand of a leper when you put it in your in, in, in your uh, in your bosom. And I'm going to have you do it again and show you that it's healed. OK. God will remind us at times to or, or ask us to do things that make absolutely no sense. But if we're willing to trust him and to do what he says, it can lead to great things. It can lead to us being uh, extremely successful and we can see and we'll see that in later scriptures uh, uh, what that looks like. Okay. So what we see here up until this point 
is Moses finding excuses not to do what God has instructed him to do. The first thing he said was, why should he go? Then he asked, well, what do I do if they ask me who sent me? Then he asked them, well, what if they don't believe it? And now with this, uh, and then now as we see is we're gonna, we're gonna continue on. I'm actually, I'm gonna stop that. I don't wanna get too far, too, too ahead of myself, okay? Uh, let's continue on here in, uh, verse 8. Uh, then it will be, if they do not believe you, nor heed the message of the first sign, that they may believe the message of the latter sign. And it shall be, if they do not believe these two signs, or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on the dry land, and the, wa- the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. Underline all of verse 10, and in your margin, write once again, doubt. Okay. We see some more doubt in here. And what we see this time Moses is doing is he's now pointing out his shortcomings. I don't speak well. Okay. I didn't speak well before. I don't speak well now. You calling me to do this and go talk to Pharaoh. I still don't speak well and you're calling me to do this. So now you see him looking and pointing out his own deficiencies. Okay. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Underline verse 12 there. Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. Okay. So what God is doing here is he's saying, yeah, I know know you're slow of, of speech, and I know you don't speak eloquently, but don't forget, I was the one that created you. Okay. I created you. And because I created with you, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to teach you what you need to say. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and I will teach you what you shall do. So he uh, so he shall be your spokesman to the people and uh, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you and you shall be to him uh, as and you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do uh, with with which you shall do the signs. So what we see there in, in those scriptures there. Okay. Is Moses finding excuse after excuse not to move forward? He brings up it to the point where he brings up his own own deficiencies. Okay, God called him to do something and reminded him that he was going to be with him, and told him, "Here's what's going to happen. Here's what you shall say. Here's what you shall do." So God laid out step by step the things that he needed to do should he face some resistance, and then he gets to the point. If that's not enough, then he says, "But I can't speak well." So we see him making excuse after excuse. Reasons why he shouldn't go. Reasons why he shouldn't take that action. Even though God has shown him his plan and has assured him that he would be with him. So something for us to think about as Christians is this. Are we making excuses for not doing what God wants us to do? Are we making excuses 
not to do what God wants us to do? Are we looking at our own deficiencies? Okay, areas where we feel like we don't have a skill set in. Are we using that as an excuse to not do what God is calling us to do? Are we focused more on our inabilities than focused on the fact that God said he will be with us? Okay. Last week, Pastor had a message about the beam in your eye. Okay, and how uh, uh, having a beam in your eyes sometimes it, it won't allow you to see what's actually going on. It'll keep your eyes from your spiritual eyes from being open. Well, a a a a beam that could potentially be in our eyes and and happens to be in our eyes at times as Christians is that we can't see God God's plan for us because the beam that we're focused on because it's in our eye are all the things that we can't do or that we think we can't do. Okay, all the things that we think we can't do. We also saw there in scripture too, there in verse 14, that the that the Lord was angry with Moses. Okay, so we got to be careful and make sure that we're not sitting here and just resisting because maybe God has called us to take action. Okay, and we're resisting it so much because of our shortcomings or 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 um, because we feel like we're not qualified. We don't want to do that to the point where God then starts to become angry with us. OK. He, he will be with us. He's not going to call us to do something that we're not prepared for. We're going to stay in Exodus here and we're just going to jump uh, to chapter 14. OK. Exodus chapter 14 and the preceding scriptures before this were all the plagues and the interactions that uh, Moses had with Pharaoh. So what I want to do is I want to jump to um, to 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 a to to what happened, you know, after after uh, Israel was um, was freed from Egypt or, or during their escape. Uh, so let's start in verse 10, Exodus 14, verse 10. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. So they were so they were very afraid, and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then said to Moses, because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt so uh, with us to bring us up out of out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians who you see today, you shall see again no more forever. The Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So now we start to see what we see here is Moses. All right. Now, remember, this is after uh, several interactions with Pharaoh. And this is after God poured out all the plagues on, on, on Egypt um, and, and Pharaoh started to have a change of heart. And then finally he released them, re- released the, the Israelites. Now, what you can see is Moses now realizes, you know what? There is something to this. All right. God did call me to do this. And now what he's doing through this experience that he had through his obedience to take the actions that God told him to take, regardless of how he thought it was going to look. Okay, regardless of how powerful Pharaoh uh, Pharaoh was and and regardless of how um, uh, uh, ineloquently Moses spoke. He was able to get the, 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 the Israelites to be released. And now he's telling the people now 
who are who are questioning why are we doing this and questioning their action and questioning Moses's leadership now. Now he's telling them not to be afraid. Now he's telling them that they're going to see the salvation of the Lord. Now he's telling them that these people that are chasing up this this, this problem that has been around for so long for us as, for, and for you as Israelites is not going to be around any anymore. Okay. The Lord, for, verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. So now he is starting to relay to the Israelites the same things God relayed to him. Okay. The same things that he relayed to him. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, underline that, go forward, go forward, go forward, go forward. But lift your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go, underline shall go, on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. So there you see God has given him another action. OK, he told him to lift his rod and to stretch out his hand and to the sea and divide it. That's what he told him to do. So God could be telling us to take an action again, like again, like we talked about earlier with with Moses uh, throwing, dropping his rod on the ground and it turning into a snake. OK. That had nothing to really do with what God was calling him to do in terms of um, um, pulling out uh, the, the, the Israelites out of Egypt. Okay. Now, now that, <coughs> excuse me. Now that is a sign that God was going to use to, 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 to show Pharaoh um, that God is with him. All right. And to show them that God, to, to show everyone that go, oh, yeah, God is with Moses and that, that God called Moses. But as we know that it took a bunch of plagues for God to send, OK, and a constant going back to Pharaoh before Pharaoh actually let him go. OK, and so you see here, God is saying, telling him, gave him an action. You stretch out your hands to divide the sea. Now, if we look at this through our minds, not our spirits, the question we ask is, well, what does me stretching my hand out over the sea have anything to do with? It? How is that going to divide the sea? OK. The only way to divide the sea is to try to get build a dam. You got to build a dam on, 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 on the side there so that there's so that water stops flowing to an area so that we can get some dry land and actually walk. OK, but no, God. OK, the Bible says my ways are not your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. OK, and so God is not sitting here saying that 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 something is going to take place uh that there's some sort of science and and, and uh, about standing in front of the sea and raising your hands and having the the sea divided that somehow it changes the molecules and the no there's none of that god is simply saying i need you to do something and if you're obedient to it this is what's going to happen okay and the children of israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea uh read that uh, verse uh, verse 18 then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So now you see God is saying now, all right, I got your back. 
All right. You need to move forward. And while while you're moving forward, I'm going to stand here at your back. Okay. so it came. uh, So it came between the verse 20. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus, it was a cloud and darkness to the to the one. And it gave light by night to the other so that one did not come near the other all that night. Uh, verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused caused the sea to go back uh, by the strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided Ver- underline all verse 21. Moses was obedient there. He stretched out his hand and look what God had done. OK, he divided the Red Sea. When we're asking God, what action should we take? And I said this earlier, when we're asking God what actions that we can that we can take, be prepared for a response that doesn't either doesn't make sense or is not something that you would expect God to say. Because you taking that action. okay, allows God to work in the spirit world, spirit world. To bring to pass that what needs to happen and then and then make it manifest manifest in the physical world. Moses raising his hand and dividing the Red Sea. Then released God, if you will, to be able to say he was obedient to me. Now I can work because you stretched out your hand the way that I told you to and not worried about how is this going to depart? How is this going to divide the sea? Now that you've done that without questioning, now I can actually send a wind to blow through there that will divide the water so that you can walk on the dry land. We have free will. And so the reason we have to take these actions is because this is our way to show God. OK, the reason why we want to take actions that, that, that may not seem to make sense when God tells us to do it is because we, we are showing God that we are going to be obedient to him no matter what. OK, we are showing him that we that we really that, that we are humbling ourselves before him. OK, that, that we are uh, um, um, surrendering to his will. So that he can act because we want to see him act in our lives. But if Moses did not adhere to that, who knows what could have happened? Okay. What if Moses decided to to instead of stretch out his hand? What if Moses decided to say to somebody else, you know, what? you're stronger than me and you can lift your hands higher than me. Why don't you stretch your hands out and and, and part the sea? Here, I'm going to give you my rod. Okay, or something like that. So we have to think about that. We have to keep that in our minds is that the actions that we take. Will allow God to operate in our lives when he's calling us to do something. And it may seem ridiculous and it may have nothing to do with anything, but that's what we that that's what we have to do. Um, uh, Many of you know this story. We had my wife and I had our, our very first car we had used to, you know, shut off at random times when, when we were driving and, and coming to a, a stop. And one time it came to a stop uh, in the middle of this busy intersection. And we had, I had to get out. She was pregnant. I had to get out. She hopped in the driver's seat and I pushed it through the intersection as everyone was waiting, uh, pushed it off to the side of the road there. Couldn't get it started. And I distinctly heard lay hands on the, on the engine. Okay. Mind you now, we've been driving for, for a while. And, and if you, if you've ever been under the hood of a car, when the engine gets to operating temperature, it's hot. OK, it's hot. God told me to lay my hands on that car and pray over it on the engine. 
I popped the hood and I put my hands right on the engine, prayed over it, said the name of Jesus, start, cranked the ignition and started right up. Now, when I lifted that hood, it was hot in there. That car did not have the plastic covers like you see in some of these newer cars today that can deflect the heat. I put my hand on the engine. I didn't put it on a plastic cover. My hand went on the engine. My hand was not burnt. The engine wasn't hot. Yes, it was at operating temperature, but it wasn't hot. But I was being obedient to what God was calling me to do. And I laid my hands on that engine and I said, start in the name of Jesus. I didn't get burnt. But I was obedient. It didn't make sense, but I was obedient. Okay. Me touching the car, I didn't have some sort of electrical something current going through me that shocked the system or somehow did something the way I touched it that would start the car. No, I didn't. I was simply obedient to God and put my hand on that engine and said, start in the name of Jesus, because I had faith, faith by my works. Okay. So when you're asking, and I was praying, God, what should I do about this? How do we get this car started? And that's what he told me to do. It did not make sense. But me knowing who God is and having a relationship with him, it made perfect sense. And so as we walk closer with God and as we as we continue to develop our relationship with him and as we call out to him and we're obedient to him, what what changes then is like Moses at this point, him stretching out his hand. He didn't have to ask any questions about it because now he walked through God with God through this through this trial of trying to get the Israelites out of Egypt. He walked he walked through that with him. Now he's starting to see how God operates even more so that when God then asks him or tells him to do the next thing that sounds ridiculous, he doesn't hesitate. He does it. He stresses out his hand. Okay. So if you're in a place now where you're waiting for God's next step, ask him if whether or not he's already told you what that next step is. Because it might be that he told you the next step, but you haven't taken it because it sounds ridiculous. But if you take it, it will get you to where you're asking to be and where God wants you to be. And then when that happens, the next time God asks you to take that ridiculous step or that unrelated step, you won't hesitate because you'll remember back. Oh, that's right. The last time God did this, he brought me through it. I was successful. So when he asked me to do something that doesn't seem to make sense now, the result is going to be the same. Okay. Um, all right. Let's see. Where where was I? Uh, verse 21 again. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land. And the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand and their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and his chariots, his horsemen. Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. 
And the Egyptians said, let us flee from flee from this place, from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. So now they're starting to see. And God said that he would be glorified uh, once he gained honor, honor over Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. Now he's just been glorified. Now he, he he's gotten that because now they are realizing that, uh oh, God is fighting for Israel. We have no choice. Verse 26, we have no choice but to turn around. Verse 26, then the Lord said to, to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians on their chariots and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And the, when the uh, and when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it so that the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. Then the waters returned and covered the chariots. The horsemen and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them, not so much as one of them remained. But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea and the waters were a wall to them on their right hand, uh, on, to, on their right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the, on the seashore. Uh, thus Israel saw the great work with which the Lord had done in Egypt so the people fear the Lord and believe the Lord and his servant Moses. Okay. So there you see there um, in those scriptures. All right. Again, in verse 27, that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. So again, right, as I was just talking about, when we take that ridiculous action that God wants us to do. Okay. When we take that ridiculous action. And then God shows us or, or God delivers us or God does whatever it is that we were asking him to do. And he does what he said he's going to do. The next time he asks you to do it, you won't hesitate. And Moses didn't hesitate. OK, so if you think about this. Moses went from saying to God, well, who am I to go talk to Pharaoh to release the Egyptians to, to excuse me, to release the Israelites? Who do I say sent me? What if they don't believe me? I can't speak well. Send somebody else. He went from that to then telling Israel when, when the Egyptians were, were closing in on them, telling them, don't be afraid. The Lord is going to over or, or is, is going to fight for us. He's with us and you will see his glory this day to stretching out his hand without asking any questions. Stretching out his hand over a sea. Could you imagine being there and seeing that? Well, could you imagine if you were Moses? Oh, stretch my hand out over the sea and this is going to happen. So, again, whatever actions you're asking God to tell you that you need to take, whatever, whatever it is that, 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 that you're asking God about, Lord, what, what do I need to do? Be prepared for him to tell you to do something that you um uh, that, that that you might not you know might not be prepared for whether it's something that you didn't think he was going to say or it's something that you just think oh gosh this what is that what does this have to do with that okay but that's the way God operates it and we've seen this on, in in many different occasions okay in, in in the Bible right Jericho is a great example all right the walls of Jericho and how big and thick those walls were. And God told them to march around the city and at one particular time, blow the trumpet and then the walls fell. All right. 
The reason why that happened was because they were obedient to following God's direction. God told them what to do and told them this is what's going to happen. And they didn't question it. They went out and did it. Now, what sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense that, I, that, 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 that people could blow these instruments and take down these great, huge walls, huge walls. OK. The reason why it does make sense for us as believers, if we're follow, if we're following God and we know how God operates, it makes sense for us because we know that God will use the things that don't make sense to accomplish his purpose. We don't question it. Again, me laying my hands on that on that engine, the engine should have burnt my hand, but it didn't. There's no reason why the car should have started, but it did. My mind tells me that that is not possible, but my spirit tells me that with God, all things are possible. Okay, All things are possible. So again, action, there are actions that God could be calling us to do. And while we wait, you know, if you're praying and asking God what direction you should take, listen, listen carefully, humble yourself before him as you're, as you're talking to him. Okay. Be ready for what it is that he might, he might tell you. I can tell you that in my life, when I've, when I've done those things, um, and I've truly humbled myself before I went to him and he told me something to do. And I went ahead and just did it, even if it didn't make sense. That's when things started happening. That's when he that's when I started being delivered out of out, out, out of certain situations. That's when the things that I wanted to see happen start to happen. And it doesn't mean that I don't have to go back to him and and and, and, and you know, remind myself of, of these scriptures here that we read. All right. That doesn't mean that I that I don't have to do that. Absolutely. I have to do that. I'm not perfect. You know, and, and none of us as Christians should ever think that we are so perfect that that every time we go to God, that, that we're going to uh, completely listen to what what, what he's what he has to say. But that's why he's given us these scriptures. That's why he has given us his word. That's why we, we, we study these things. And that's why we talk to him so that we can ask him, Lord, what actions should I be taking? What actions should I not be taking? As I'm waiting for this. Okay. Help me to see. Open my eyes so that I can see what it is that you want me to do so that I can that so that I can be um obedient obedient to your word. There are one more quick story that I'll share with you. Um I remember a place that I had worked. Uh we were under some we had we had quite a bit of turmoil going on. Uh there was some leadership changes and a whole bunch of stuff going on there. And, you know, you could, I, I, I hated going into the office, you know, I mean, you could just feel it as soon as you walk in there. And I remember one day, you know, I just went in and I was typically there before everyone else. Um, and I heard God tell me the night before, you need to go pray over your cubicle. And I was like, oh, well, I mean, it's a small cubicle. I'm not sure <laughs> why, why I would pray over it. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's not giant or anything like that. And so I did that. I just laid my hands on, on the outside cubicle wall there. Um, prayed over it and everything like that, played the blood of Jesus over it so that no forces of darkness could, could enter into that, in, into that cubicle and into that area. And after I did that, I noticed that there was a particular individual in that office that God showed me was the ringleader of some of the turmoil. Okay. He was the ringleader of the, of the turmoil there. And I found this out because 
he was talking to me. Didn't see him that day. I prayed over the cubicle, but I saw the individual uh, a few days later and couldn't the person could not step foot into my cubicle. And so I started looking at that. I'm thinking, all right, Lord, there's something here. Maybe this, you know, when I when I pled the blood of Jesus, maybe he, he can't pass this barrier. It seemed like there was a barrier wall there that was stopping this individual from coming in. And so I started praying for the person. Long story short, you know, after, I don't know, several months of, of just kind of praying for them, then the individual kind of revealed out of the blue what was going on in their life. You know, they were just revealed. Here's what they were going on during during that time and everything. And my prayer during that whole time was just to God to work out whatever it is that's going on in this individual's life. Bring him peace. Bring bring him joy. OK. You know, help me to, 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 to help help your light and me shine for him so that he can come to know you and, and everything like that. Now, what sense did it make for me to, again, pray over that small cubicle I had? Well, if I didn't do that, if I didn't do that, I would not have known where the source of this turmoil on this team was taking place. And then I wouldn't have known who to pray for. Okay, I wouldn't have known who to pray for. And then who knows what would have happened. But at that point, I really hated being in the office uh, just about every day. But every day it was a struggle to go into the office. So I say all that to say is that, again, which has been the theme of this message is, you know, when God, when, when, when we're asking God to tell us what our next steps need to be. Let's be really prepared for what he's got to tell us. And then be obedient to what he's telling us, because as we've seen here with Moses, God asked him, called him to do something big. And he wasn't sure, but God reassured him to the point then he stopped questioning. All right. Through this, through this, uh, taking Israel out of Egypt, he stopped questioning God when he told him to do things. God told him to raise his hands and he did it. Okay. So we just want to make sure that we're doing the same thing. Praise God. I pray that this message has been a blessing to you. And uh, let's let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this message and for your words here today. And I just want to pray, God, that you would help us to humble ourselves before you when we are searching for answers and actions to take that will get us in alignment with your will or that will make things come to pass that we're praying for, Lord. I ask that you would help us to be obedient to what it is that you tell us to do and to help us not to doubt, but to have peace and to be strong, to know that you are you are with us. You have been with us and that you will continue to be with us. You've been with your children and throughout the Bible and the situations that they've been and You are the same yesterday, yesterday, today and forever. And so if you are with them, you will be with us and you will continue to be with us. I pray, Lord, that you help us to remember these words so that anytime the devil tries to raise his ugly head, that we can use these things, that we can use the words today to not put us to, to, to get us out of any kind of hesitation of taking that next step, Lord, that you're that you're calling us to take. I pray also, Lord, for our doctors and our people in leadership positions that you would guide them, guide them as they look at creating vaccines and making decisions on what to do about schools coming up, Lord, continue to keep our law enforcement safe, Lord, as they out there to protect the communities, Lord, and we pray for our, all of our leaders that they would 
take this country and our cities in a direction that you would want want them to take it. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you for everything that you have done for us. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all together, we all, all God's children said, Amen and Amen and Amen. Praise God.